Welcome to the Mentis Podcast. Today we have Ed Matthews, who is the CEO of Clark Street and the host of the Real Estate Underground Podcast. Ed, I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for coming. Yeah, Nick. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Doing well. Thanks. Good. Um, yeah, so we were just talking right before we jumped on here about how real estate is uh, kind of anything but a passive investment when you get to a certain size. And, uh, you know, everybody out there has that, oh, maybe I should go invest in real estate, bug, or a lot of people do anyhow. And can, can you kind of tell us about how you are spending kind of a full-time job and how that's benefited you guys right now, uh, you know, in today's market, especially with the dynamic, uh, you know, kind of field that we're, we're on? Yeah, as as you said, this is anything but passive, right? I mean, the, the fact is, is that we not only uh, have our marketing in house, um, we uh, obviously acquire and and you know marshal our deals through our our acquisition process. We also have prop, property management in house now as well. So, uh, yes, it's a full time job. Yes, we have a team. Yes, we have business systems and enabling technologies. And no. This is not a side hustle. This is a, you know, this is a, this is a real job, right? I mean, I'm in, in good weeks, I'm, you know, in the office 35 to 40 hours a week uh, in really busy weeks, it could be 60 to 80. And, mm -hmm. you know, fortunately now, you know, when I was in corporate America, uh, that was hard. Uh, now I, because I had to go ask somebody's permission to go to say, for instance, today, my, my daughter's softball game, right? Um, today I do not, I just let my team know, Hey, I'm going to be out of the office for the next 90 minutes and find me on my cell phone if you need me, which entirely different thing. Right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think when people ask that question, you know, well, how do I get started? You know, they, they, yeah. they should think about the end, you know, keep starting with the end in mind. Some of those famous business books. Without so, a deal, without a doubt. Yeah. Cubby I mean, had they, it right. Yeah. Do they want to be you know, full-time real estate investor, or do they want to go make their money somewhere else and keep their money invested in real estate? And that's a totally different paradigm. It and is, I, yeah. I, you know, there was a point where, um, so I'm very passionate about this. Uh, there is, you know, very specific things that we want done in our properties to to maintain the residents, you know, relationship with the residents and, you know, uh, do a good job of managing our assets and all that. And, um, you know, the fact is, is that it required for us to scale, it required me to go full time. Um, it just couldn't, I, you know, I was a, I was a technology guy working for, you know, a handful of companies out in uh, California in Silicon Valley. And, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to manage that business when you start to get to, you know, I, I don't know if it's a number of properties, number of doors or, you know, an assets under management figure, but it was right around three and a half, four million bucks for us that it it just required, you know, there was a go, no go, right? And, you know, it happened to coincide with uh, the fact that I was traveling 150, 200 nights a year, and I was missing a whole bunch of really cool stuff with my kids and my wife. And uh, I wanted them to continue to like me and because I sure like them. And, uh, and so, you know, it kind of coincided into, okay, it's time for, for me to, you know, to, to take this on uh, full time and, uh, you know, run a business as opposed to a side hustle, which is really what it was sure. you know, when I was working in corporate America. Certainly you can dip your toe in and get those one or two or 
you know, even several rentals, whether it be oh, yeah. a single family or a small multifamily or even a small medical office, or, you know, just a small little office right. building or something. It doesn't matter what you could do it. But once you kind of start getting that itch for another deal, another deal, another deal, that that's anything but a passive job. And I think True. that's where it comes down to. You're either going to go that route or you're going to work with people who are, are doing it full time and really just work on building your relationship with that company and making sure you trust them. And, you know, that, that's kind of just the, exactly what I would recommend. But everybody yeah, has no, their and own I way. Totally, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the fact is, is that we started this you know, legitimately as a side hustle. It became a real business where we were pouring our money in and now we're kind of taking it to the next level. So we're at about, I don't know, a little short of $10 million under management. Um, you know, now our job is to take it to, um, you know, a thousand doors. And so we're taking our next step and, you know, and now have started to syndicate and we're going to, at some point in the very near future, raise a fund and, you know, really start to grow this business and take advantage of the next layer of opportunities that are coming our way in this market. That's right. And, you know, you had mentioned bringing people in-house. Property management is certainly one of those, uh, you know, kind of key pieces to this business to making sure that at a minimum, you're trying to be able to execute your business plan as close to what you had anticipated as possible. Certainly right. things like COVID and inflation and uh, eviction moratoriums are all going to throw you for a loop, but it's how you're managing those and making sure that you're dealing with it in the best way possible. People on site are by far the first, you know, one of the most, I would say by far the most important or, or you know, one of the most important aspects of the uh, the management side. How did you decide to bring that in-house versus going third party? And how are you managing it and kind of being a little bit more, um, I guess, competitive than, than other folks out there? So uh, when this was a side hustle, I hired a property manager, local property manager, and she did a great job. Um, and uh, then uh, they sold that business. The couple that owned it sold the business to another local investor uh, who immediately doubled the company in size. Good on him, but it made it really hard for him to track uh, all of the properties. And so, you know, one of the things that that we pride ourselves on is, you know, the, the Clark Street way, so to speak. And, you know, that is that uh, we have excellent relationships with our, our residents. Um, when something breaks, we, we fix it immediately. If they have a question, they get a phone call uh, or, you know, an answer is, as quickly as humanly possible. And, you know, I mean, we value whether you're in a C-class building or, uh, you know, an A-class building, although we don't have any, we have A's and B's, um, you know, doesn't matter to us, you're going to get the exact same, the exact same customer service. And so uh, when we went full time, we, we ran the business actually with that property manager and realized that, uh, you know, while they're good at their job, um, they were running it their way, not our way. And so we made the decision to move it in-house. And for us, that meant a combination of a uh, team here in Connecticut, where we're headquartered, uh, a team in the Philippines with our virtual assistants, a uh, team in California with our platform called Hemlane, uh, which is our property management platform, and then the local handyman, plumber, electrician, HVAC type person to help us with uh, maintenance turns and you know whatever else happens to come up. And so we built a process and a system around you know managing the um, the relationship with the residents as well as taking really good care of the buildings. 
Um, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, I'm in the Clark streets in the business of buying, uh, crappy apartment buildings from landlords who really aren't that good at their jobs. Right. And so, you know, our first pass is clean and safe, uh, making sure that everything is, uh, is safe. And then, you know, we upgrade common areas and then we upgrade units as, as they come open. And the idea being that, you know, we want our residents and, and along the way we're repairing the relationship with the residents in terms of you can count on us to do the right thing and to take good care of you, you know, as long as you want to stay here. And, um, you know, the, the whole idea, the reason that we're more competitive than, you know, let's say we own a 10 unit building and next door, someone else owns a 10 unit building. That's nearly identical. The reason that ours is more valuable. The reason ours cash flows better is because we're really good at retaining our, our really good residents. And, um, you know, our average uh, resident stays a little bit more than 2x the average here in Connecticut, which, you know, helps us with having to, you know, do turns. Um, it helps us with having to do lease ups. Um, you know, all of those, the, those things are expensive. And uh, so, you know, for us to be able to defer that for, you know, three, four years down the path, down the pike, um, is, you know, that that money that would have gone to, you know, a local uh, realtor to to lease up that unit, you know, goes to us and our investors instead, right? That's pretty powerful, the retention metric. How, how are you guys tracking that? Uh, we track it from, you know, obviously you can't track it from uh, inherited residence, right? So we start at the, at the you know, the, the day we acquire the building. And, um, you know, the state of Connecticut has various metrics in terms of average tenancy, uh, I think it's like around 16 months right now. So, you know, pretty much everybody's moving every year and a half, which is a lot. And, um, you know, ours is closing in on four years. So the, you know, the whole idea is to, is to track that on a quarterly basis. So every, you know, every uh, month after the quarter close, we, you know, we track it and see how we're doing relative to, um, you know, the past years and slowly but surely we're growing that number. So. That's good. You know, so far, so good. Yeah. I mean, certainly resident retention is a great, I mean, that's a really great metric, especially if you're still able to drive rent. Uh, you know, one of the the concerns some people might not think about is the the banks, you know, they sometimes want to have, especially if you're getting into larger properties, they want to have a nice track record with whomever is managing it. And, yeah. you know, I think this is, this is kind of probably in that like middle ground, you probably already have decent relationships with your lenders. So they're probably letting you get away with more than what maybe a new client would. Um, but can you maybe talk about that relationship and how you guys are, are maintaining the, the goodwill of the bank? Because obviously it all comes down to making sure that the property is performing and making sure that they're yeah. comfortable. So uh, we work with several local and regional banks, uh, as well as some commercial lenders. Uh, and actually couple of hard money lenders as well. And so we are in constant contact with them. They, they know, um, you know, if they ask or uh, most of the time we're proactive, at least on an annual basis of providing them with our financial statement so that they understand, you know, A, we're healthy, <clears throat> A, we're healthy, B, we have a cash position to be able to weather pretty much any storm uh, and, uh, you know, that we're, that we're well run, right? They see progress, you know, as the balance sheet is getting, uh, larger, the liabilities are slowly going down. Um, equity and and uh, assets are are climbing. Um, and the reason being is that we want to make it easy on the loan committees 
to be able to, to uh, uh, you know, marshal one of our deals through their process. And, you know, we just view that as part of the relationship and relationship building. Um, we're in constant contact. And when good stuff happens, when bad stuff happens, you know, the banker is one of the people who gets a phone call. Hey, here's what happened. Here's what we're doing to, to man manage that. And, you know, we, we had a boiler go out. That's going to be a $60,000 expense that we were projecting to happen three years from now. And it's happening now. And that's okay. We have cash for it. And here's what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to replace those reserves. And, you know, not to worry, we've got to handle, you know, I'd rather do that than have, uh, you know, have someone find out, you know, because a lot of times we'll go to the local bank. So we, we do business all throughout Connecticut right now. And if there's a local bank who's who's interested in in working with property owners, I would much prefer to work with you know a local bank than um, someone you know out you know in yonder that doesn't know me from Adam and I'm just a number. Right? No kidding. Plus, they they can they know the market. They have a vested interest in the community. They want to see it improve. Yeah. You know, all those things are uh, definitely things. a value add, and they have, they have the flexibility. And you know, it comes down to like that that people part of the, um, the equation. And it's like, if they have a good, you know, rapport that goes a long way. Relationships are everything in this business. Right. And, Absolutely. you know, your reputation is, is about the most valuable asset you have carrying, you're carrying around with you. Yep. Right. So, you know, you've got to make sure that everybody knows the value system from which you operate. And, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's certain things I don't tell people, right. I mean, we're pretty tight with our numbers so I don't share them with a lot of people, but, um, but the fact is the folks that really need to know financially how we're doing, uh, know on a quarterly basis, everything's going well, or we've had a setback and here's how we're handling it. Sure. So leading in from the lenders, where do you think interest rates are going right now? Uh, as of this recording, right at the end of May. Are we are we done at May 2023? Are we uh, done with rising interest? Are we going to stay? You know, what do you think the crystal ball the, the Fed here for us? You know, I pay very close attention to what the you know the regional presidents say, and it, unfortunately, right now it doesn't sound like there's a lot of agreement across the board. Uh, so I I would suspect there's probably one more 250 bit raise somewhere in the you know uh, uh, or 25 you know point. Um, uh, uptick somewhere between now and the end of the year. But I also think that, you know, because the, the the fact is, is that the Fed apparently is watching not only interest or inflation, but also jobs and jobs continue to grow, especially, you know, like here in the Northeast. If, if, if you want a job, um, you can get a job and you can get a very well-paying job too. And I think that is true in many pockets across the country. And in order for uh, the Fed to kind of navigate a, uh, a soft landing, so to speak. They've got to slow down job growth, unfortunately. And well, I mean, they've, so, they've said that they're going to do that. So, yeah, you know, robust job growth plus core inflation is the, the inflation that they're the metric that they look at. That's not right. getting any better, actually. It's kind of, you know, stagnant kind of, a little bit. So, right. uh, you know, they, so I, I think there's probably one more raise. I don't think it's going to be a huge one, but. Um, you know, the fact is, is that we were talking about this offline too, you know, and a, a seven, eight, 9% interest rate for, for me as an investor, um, it doesn't mean, you know, I see a lot of folks and I talk to a lot of folks that are keeping their powder dry and waiting for whatever's going to happen. And, and the fact is, historically, 
mortgage rates right now are spot on historical trends, historical norms, right? You know, seven and a half, eight percent is exactly where they've been. If you look at, you know, the last 50 plus years. And so uh, there are plenty of opportunities. I think the challenge is that, you know, there's the um, offer price or uh, list price is always a lagging indicator, right? And so the owners of these properties who need to move on or want to trade up or whatever they're doing, uh, they tend to still think it's, you know, 2021. And so they're pricing accordingly. And, you know, the conversation I have, phew, uh, it's got to be weekly now is, look, I'll pay a 2021 price if you, as the seller, provide me 2021 terms. If you can provide me a 3% interest rate, I'll, I'll overpay for your property, but you can have one or the other. You can have price, or you can have terms, you can't have both. And so, you know, there are a lot of owners uh, who understand that and will work with us. Um, uh, actually, there are not a lot of owners that understand that. Um, but the uh, but the other part of it is that the, um, you know, the ones that do, uh, you know, we're able to create a deal that works for everybody, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it just comes back to the numbers. It's not, I mean, nah. it's not rocket science. I mean, it, it does. It's not rocket science. Yeah. You're right. Not everybody nah. has, not everybody has a good feel for like maybe sophisticated real estate models and, you know, IRR hurdles and, you know, like what's the cash on cash over the you know, the deal or what's the IRR. Not, not, not everybody has that expertise, but if, if you do, and it really it's not that difficult to learn, you could just spend a couple of days online and, YouTube it if you needed to, but right. if you have those ability to, you know, go through it, it really is so simple. It's like either this, this is going to pencil or it's not. And if it's not, you just move on. Uh, I think yeah. the sellers are going to come to their, to their day of, uh, they're starting to, selling. I'm starting to see capitulation a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing a whole, I'm, what I'm starting to see here in the Northeast is, uh, you know, one properties are you know, starting to, you know, lower their, their, their price, uh, you know, once they accumulate days on market. Um, the other thing I'm starting to see, though, is that uh, when someone puts something under contract uh, and uh, the bank, you know, it doesn't appraise out, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pressure on, on um, investor capital as well. So it's not like you can turn around and say, okay, this, this property uh, appraised for 100 grand less than we expected. Okay, investors, we're going to all pony up, you know, our share of 100 grand. You know, the answers that a lot of those folks are getting is no. And those those properties are falling out of contract, right? Um, well, so I'm just I think to that, that happened a lot more, especially as interest rates were going up. And I, this sounds crazy, but that's like just a few months ago, like that it was like really, really hectic, like November, December, January, February. I mean, there, that was like, I knew a lot of people who just sat on their hands. To me, I don't know, I don't know what you're seeing, but I, I'm seeing a little bit more of the buyer aggressiveness. Because they're like, I got to get a deal done. Because a lot of these guys are fee driven, um, and the fees are not necessarily a bad thing. I know it's got a stigma or whatever, but it's it's how people pay their 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 uh, you know their people, and they they get new deals in the door. And whether it be property management fees or acquisition fees or a promote structure, doesn't matter. Whatever the fees that are, but that's how you get the people to pay attention to it. And a lot of these guys have payrolls that are sitting there just chewing away at a reserve. So. I'm seeing the buyers get a little bit more aggressive and I, I there's going to be a meeting in the minds. And I think the second half of the year could be a little better. What about, what do you, what do you think? I think it depends on your investor base, right? I mean, the folks that we work with, I've known them for years, years and years. And so they know exactly how we operate. 
And so if I pick up the phone and say, hey, I've got an opportunity, it's a little bit off of what we normally do. You know, it's the the return is probably in the, you know, 11, 12 percent over the course of a five year hold as opposed to 14 to 15, 16 plus. Right. You know, is there any interest? Yeah, let's do it because that's what's out there. Right. And so, you know, I'm willing to do that. (laughs) I'll take it. Right. You know, the things I won't do, though, is I won't buy a five cap and borrow at eight percent. Right. I'm not, I just, why not? You know, that, I don't that, know. That doesn't make any, <laughs> it, it doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. I don't know how people do it. They, they do do it, but. Um, well, typically you know, the people I'm seeing money. do that have a major value add equation somewhere in there. Yeah. If not, they're just yeah, that, that massive is. capital reserves. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's both. Right. Yeah. So you, you brought a lot of this in-house and you guys are all full-time now. And now you are the host of Re- the Real Estate Underground podcast. And, uh, you know, you've been doing that for a little while. Tell us tell us a little bit on why you started that and uh, how, so, how it's going. So quite frankly, it, 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 was, a, it was a selfish reason. Um, I love helping. So I was involved with the, with the local Real Estate Investors Association. I was one of the partners and, you know, we were doing coaching and mentoring and I was throwing my arm around anybody that would listen. And, you know, I always used to say, I'm a cheap date. You know, if you buy me a cup of coffee, you know, I'll spend half an hour with you. I'll answer any question you have. I'll tell you everything I know about the subject. And if I don't know something, a pretty good chance I know somebody that does and I'll hook you up. Right. And, and, and in most cases I'll buy the coffee, right. It's, you know, it's just something I, I truly enjoy doing. Um, Primarily, uh, well, you know, there's the there's the contribution and the juice you get from that, right? Um, but it's also, you know, I had you know half a dozen people in my life over the last, you know, twenty plus years who either saw something in me or uh, took pity on me and threw an arm around me and helped me, and they didn't want anything. You know, the most they got out of me, you know, in, in return was scrambled eggs at breakfast, right? I mean, I was buying them at one of my mentors' breakfast once a month. And so, you know, my way of repaying those people is to, is to do it myself. Um, I was doing it through the RIA. Uh, I made a very difficult decision to leave that RIA uh, because I was spending so much time there. It was taking away from Clark street and I needed to focus on our core business. Uh, And so the, 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 the real estate underground podcast kind of scratches that itch for me where, you know, we bring in uh, really experienced um, uh, real estate investors. Most of them are multifamily, but we do bring in other folks from different asset classes. Uh, and, uh, you know, the idea being that I'm going to, I'm going to basically be curious and ask uh, the, our guests, you know, talk to me about their mistakes. Talk to me about their wins. How did you think about that? You know, how did you get started? Why did you focus on this asset class? You know, and the, the idea being that, uh, these really accomplished, smart people will hopefully drop gold nuggets for me in the audience. And so I get to learn. Um, I hope that the audience gets to learn. Uh, feedback's been really good. And the, the audience has been growing steadily for just about a year now. Um, and, you know, frankly, I selfishly, I get to talk with really uh, impressive people who, if I didn't have a podcast, might not return my phone call. So it's actually a sneaky way to meet really, really interesting people too. No so, doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Well, you, you remind me of a few, you know, lessons that, you know, I, these are things that I like to incorporate into our company and I need to get better at too. But I can think of probably the five people right now who I would call like the master networkers. And every single time they're without me going to them, they're like, hey, you need to meet this person. And they're just sending things to you like somewhat frequently. And yeah. they seem like it, 
it, the the abundance that I know comes back to them. It, it's got to be in in spades, if not just goodwill. Um, but it's something I, I certainly need to get get better at, and it's a good reminder. And the teaching is 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 a great um, is a great way to do that. But certainly the uh, you know the industry I find is is um, well, you might be competitive or you know competitors or whatever. I find it to be quite collaborative. You know, people are very willing to um, you know to I, help. And, you know, it's it's interesting. You, you the the folks that I know in this space, uh, both locally and and across the country, the ones who are really thriving and have been thriving for a long time understand the concept of abundance. The ones who are you know closed and don't want to share and and don't want to. Uh, you know, take the chance of giving up a missile seeker to a competitor, um, tend to struggle. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, it's a big world out there. The The opportunity pie is enormous and I don't need the whole pie. I just want my little slice, right? Mm-hmm. And if you get your little slice and I get my little slice, we all win and I'm good with that. Yeah. I, I, people do crack me up, you know, sometimes when they, even the, even like the quote unquote big guys, you know, they've got Five billion, ten billion under management. I'm like, they're not even a blip on some of these, you know, the, yeah, massive I, companies. So it's it's all yeah, relative, and it is. There's plenty yeah. of room out there for literally everyone. So um, indeed, yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate your time today. If people want to reach out, learn about what you guys are doing at Clark Street, or potentially reach out to be a guest on your podcast, what's the best way for them to reach you? So uh, our website is always the best way, our social media. So we're clarkstreet.com, uh, so clarkst.com and Clark Street Capital on, on all of the, all of the uh, social media. Um, I haven't, I'm not on TikTok, but my team is trying <laughs> to get me to be on TikTok. I just won't dance uh, so, or lip sync. So, um, you know, we'll, uh, I'm willing to do reels and stuff like that instead. But um, yeah, so you can hit us up on, hit me up directly. Uh, I'm Ed Matthews or Ed Matthews 4 on pretty much every uh, channel out there except TikTok. And uh, and then uh, as far as the real estate underground, so that's um, reupod.com, real estate underground, reupod.com. And, uh, you know, we're, we've been doing it for just about a year and a half now. And uh, you know, the, uh, I'll admit that the, the episodes from this year are, are much better than the episodes, uh, from early on, mainly because the guy that was interviewing, um, has gotten a little bit better at, uh, at what he's doing. And, um, but it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, very much educationally based, uh, and, uh, you know, we're not selling anything. We're just, we're just trying to, you know, help advance the cause of someone who wants to listen. That's right. That's right. Yeah. There's nothing for sale. I mean, you know, yeah, just, uh, I don't get anything out of it. It's just fun. That's right. right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Best of luck for the rest of the year and the real estate fund that you guys are about to start. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of course, reach out if you guys need anything. And thanks again. Without a doubt. Thanks, Nick. Good to see you.